Hey, this is The Mouth Off with Kyone Wolf storytelling from the Mark Twain House. I'm Kyone Wolf. Barbara Clow is well known in the greater Hartford area as an actor, and she enjoys telling stories from traditional and contemporary Jewish sources, as well as personal stories at events all across New England. Bobby is a member of the Connecticut Storytelling Center and of the monthly storytelling group Hither and Yon. Here's her story from the December 2013 show, and the theme was I Fought the Law. They say that there are two certainties in this life, death and taxes. And I would pose that if that is true, there is really a third certainty also, and that is change. It's always with us. It's always happening to us. It's all around us. And I find, as I am approaching the latter years of middle age, Watch it, folks. Watch it. (laughs) That I do not always respond to change the way that I probably should. I mean, I know the laws. I know the rules. I know the drill. When I'm faced with something that's a little different, a little troubling, a little unusual, I should take a deep breath. And I say to myself, Bobby, keep your mouth shut. Don't say anything. But there are certain things about contemporary culture that really still throw me. Like body piercing. I don't get it. (laughs) Now, the truth is that I myself have dabbled in the dark art. About 45 years ago, I allowed a woman in a shopping mall (laughs) to punch a hole in each of my earlobes. But more than one hole, and in any other body part, seen or unseen, was absolutely not part of my family's ethos. So my husband and I are at a family event And our daughter-in-law comes up to say hello. Now, I am talking very attractive, highly articulate, extremely intelligent, mother of three, PhD daughter-in-law. And I cannot help but notice that she has a jewel embedded in her nose. (laughs) Now, I remember the drill. And I take a very deep breath from the vagina. (laughs) And I say to myself, keep quiet, don't say a word. But then I think to myself, anybody with a jewel sticking out of her nose wants it to be noticed. (laughs) And so I say to her, in a very friendly way, wow, I see that something else has been added, something new has been added. Yes, she says, well, I just had this urge, this need to pierce something. What do you think? Well, the only thing that I could think of 
was a Jewish haiku that I had recently read. <laughs> now, I know that you all know what a haiku is. A form of Japanese poetry, three lines. The first line has five syllables, second line has seven, and the third line has five. Well, before I could stop myself, out it came. A lovely nose ring. Pardon me while I stick my head in an oven. <laughs> Another aspect of contemporary culture which really, which really troubles me are tattoos. I have, first of all, I have a very hard time understanding how anybody can let some guy come at them with a needle and inflict pain on any body part and in color yet. <laughs> but also, don't these young women with the delicate little dragonflies tattooed on their hips understand that in 30 or 35 years, those little dragonflies are going to turn into Puff the Magic Dragon <laughs> spread all over their back. <laughs> so I'm shopping, and I bring my purchases up to the counter, and this young woman is there waiting to wait on me, and she's dressed very appropriately with a scoop neck T-shirt, and I cannot help but notice that she has a very colorful, very bright tattoo across her neckline. And it says, peace and love. Well. <laughs> My kids get very upset when I use the V word, so I only use it once. And I say to her, in a very friendly way, nice tattoo. And she says, thank you. And I say, lovely sentiment. And she says, thank you. And I said, you do realize that somewhere down the track, that sentiment is going to have dropped significantly and it's going to look like you named your puppies. <laughs> There's one other aspect of contemporary culture that I want to talk about very briefly, and that is not something that upsets me at all, but rather it is something that fascinates me. And I think you'll all relate to it. It is the changing nature of the names that we give our children in each generation. <laughs> My generation's grandparents and great-grandparents were named Avraham, Yitzchak, Chaim, Shmuel, Bracha, Peril, Sima, okay? When they came to this country, they became Abe, Irving, Jaime, Sam, the women were Bertha and Pearl and uh, Sadie. Now, my generation 
very often named our kids Stephen, Andrew, Michael, Robert, Keith, okay? Different names. Now, when I was pregnant with our fourth child, my father-in-law, blessed memory, was very insistent that he had to have a child, a grandson named Max, because his father was named Max. Well, Max at that time was considered terribly old-fashioned. No, but now every fourth kid is named Max. Okay. Back then, nobody named their children Max. And in fact, we had already decided on a name, should we have a boy? It was also a little far out. It was Nathan, and it was after an uncle of my husband's who we both adored. So, as fate and very good luck would have it. We had twin boys. <laughs> Two days before the circumcision and naming ceremony, my mother-in-law, a wonderful woman of blessed memory, came to our house and sat us down and said, children, I don't want to exert any undue pressure on you. <laughs> But if you don't name one of those children Max, it will kill your father. <laughs> we had this extra kid. What could we do? <laughs> we named him Max. Which brings me to the point of a real lesson that I have learned about life and the way that it works. And that is that what goes around comes around. Our little Max is all grown up, and he has a beautiful little three-year-old drama queen named Sadie. <laughs> and I am quite sure that in 70 years, there are going to be a lot of Grandma Tiffany's around. <laughs> and more than one Bubby Bambi. <laughs> and I can just hear the conversation as a grandchild visits one of these Bubby Bambies. Bubby, you know I love your stories. Tell me again the one about the tattoo across your back. <laughs> you know, the one that's almost covered by the Depends. Thank you to the one and only Bobby Clow. Next up, meet Matthew Glasser. Matthew is the award-winning executive producer of Investigations and Enterprise at NBC Boston and NECN. He volunteers with a nonprofit Outside the Lens, teaching young people to use the power of storytelling to improve their lives. Be warned that there is some profanity in a story from our April 2018 show, and the theme was seemed like a good idea at the time. I grew up with one screen. No iPads, iPods, iWatches just the television and I. I also grew up as an only child and my parents divorced when I was young, so as you can imagine, I watched a lot of TV. But it was good because I learned the facts of life. Being from a broken home, I had family ties, and of course I could learn love from the love boat. <laughs> and I thought those grand romantic gestures would serve me well, and the girls in my school would swoon and someday women would be attracted by all of these grand things that I learned on this ship of love. So imagine my surprise when I cut my mother's prize roses, took them to my school crush, and gave them to her in front of all our classmates. 
she did not fall in love with me. In fact, she turned red, ran out of the class, and would not talk to me for the rest of our schooling. She wouldn't even respond to my friend request on Facebook. <laughs> but there was one show that really appealed to me, and that was Flipper. Now, despite the gray in my beard and the receding hairline, I was not old enough to actually watch the original Flipper episodes, but I did see the reruns and most of the episodes. Now, for those who don't know Flipper, Flipper was a dolphin, but he was a damn cool dolphin. He even had a theme song. Flipper, Flipper, faster than lightning, no one but he is smarter than he. I mean, he had his own theme song, right? All right, so Flipper, <laughs> Flipper solved mysteries, he fought crime, and he helped people every episode. He was a cool, cool dolphin. So there was one episode where the main character got attacked by a shark and needed a blood transfusion, because of course he did. Um, but the blood fell off the ship and it was being circled by a vicious, vicious shark. Thank goodness for Flipper. Not only did he fight off the shark, he rescued the blood and saved the day. So I became a big fan of dolphins. And when you're human, you can't actually be a dolphin, but being a Pisces and a lover of water, I decided that I was gonna devote my childhood to being a swimmer. Um, and being from suburban Los Angeles. I was fortunate enough to have a pool in our backyard and the kind of weather where you could swim basically year-round. But I had a little problem. You see, one of Flipper's primary nemesis, pretty much every episode, was the shark. I saw Jaws probably a few years before I should have. <laughs> so I was convinced that there was a shark in the deep end. And as much as I wanted to swim laps and become this great swimmer, I was afraid to swim in the deep end out of fear of the pool shark. Now, you may not have heard of the pool shark, but as a child, the pool shark is an incredible nemesis. You know, I had bad dreams about the pool shark. So my father, the psychiatrist, decided to pull out one of his psychological tricks and do what most parents do when they want their kids to do something. He bribed me. Five cents a lap. So, my desire for pocket change overrode my fear of the pool shark. And I swam every day. I got to be pretty good. Not great, but good. So when high school came around and I found out that my high school had a outdoor pool, I decided that it was time to join the water polo team and the swim team until I found out that I had an even bigger problem than the pool shark, the Speedo. <laughs> now, I don't want to offend anybody in the audience, but it's not a good look. And it's not a good look for a teenage boy who's just coming into their own. So I decided the best way to deal with the Speedo issue was to wear three of them. Because if one is embarrassing, maybe three would feel more like a bathing suit. And so every day for four years of high school, I wore my three Speedos as I practiced swimming. And I got better, and I became a good swimmer. Not great, but good. Years passed, and I had the opportunity to move to San Diego. I got married. And the only place that has better weather than Los Angeles is San Diego. So you can go to the beach in January, and it's not weird. But it's still January. So we get to the beach, and what do I see? A pod of dolphins. What I thought was right off the shoreline. Now, at the time, I was doing video production, so I had a lot of 
video tools. And I happen to have a really cool little GoPro in my car. For those who don't know what those are, little tiny waterproof cameras. And so the first thought that came to me was, I'm going to go out and I'm going to videotape these dolphins because it's Flipper. It seemed like a great idea at the time. So my wife rolls her eyes and goes to set up shop on the beach, and I run out into the ocean. I don't stretch. I don't prepare. I don't remember that it's been 15 years since I was on the high school swim team. I'm going to swim out and see those dolphins, and I'm going to get some great footage. So I hit the water, and I start to go, and I'm good for a, for a minute or two, and then I realize it is really cold because it's January. I start to struggle. I start to find that I was having a tough time breathing. It felt like somebody was sitting on my chest, but I'm like, you know, I'm a good swimmer. I'll be okay. I kept going. It got harder. It got harder. It got harder. I realized I can't go any further. I can't breathe, and if you can't breathe, you can't swim. Not to mention the fact that I was starting to get hypothermia. So I stop, and I'm like, I'm going to go back to the shore. This wasn't a good idea. Problem is, I've gone way too far. So I have hypothermia. I can't breathe. I'm too far from the shore. I'm not far enough to get to the dolphins. I'm kind of screwed. But I didn't worry. I should have. But they were dolphins. They were flipper. And I had seen enough episodes to know that I was OK. They were going to come and rescue me. So all I had to do was get their attention. So I didn't have a lot of strength, and I was trying to tread water in freezing cold water. So I had one hand going like this, and the other hand waving at the dolphins. They didn't come. I'm like, all right, they must not have seen me. I don't know. In all those episodes of Flipper, nobody ever talked about the eyesight of dolphins. Maybe, maybe they just didn't see me yet. So I keep waving. I keep waving. No dolphins. Then it occurs to me that, I, yeah, I really am in trouble. They're not coming and I can't make it back to shore. I have this GoPro camera. I decide I better say goodbye to my wife. <laughs> so I leave a little message. I say, I'm sorry. I love you. Please don't mention this at the funeral. <laughs> this was really stupid. And then I just sort of resigned myself to the fact that this was it. Maybe it was because I had hyperthermia. Maybe it's because I was frozen. But I just realized it was it. And I started to go under. And you fight for a while. You bob your head up a little bit. You go under. You bob your head up a little. You go under. But then I finally had it. I had no energy left. I was done. And I go under the water. And all of a sudden, someone grabs me and pulls me out. It's not a dolphin. <laughs> it, it was Thor. It was a surfer with long, blonde hair, big blue eyes. I was being rescued by Thor. He put me onto his surfboard, and he pushes me back to the shore, grabs me, puts me onto the sand. I catch my breath. I look up at him, thinking he's going to say something profound. And he says, dude, and swims back out. So. I collect my thoughts, I, I catch my breath, I lay on the sand for a little while. Finally, I muster up the energy to go back and, and find my wife. She looks up at me and she says, honey, do you see all those dolphins out there? I said, I do. And between you and me, dolphins are assholes.
Thank you. Thanks, Matthew Glasser. As Mark Twain said, I like a good story well told. That's the reason I'm sometimes forced to tell them myself. Tell your story at one of our live shows. Dates, themes, tickets, and swag are at marktwainhouse.org slash mouthoff. At that site, you'll also see all the other cool stuff Twain has going on, in addition to funny and really fascinating house tours. Twain's tradition of storytelling continues, with writing classes and workshops, chances to write in Mark Twain's library, and the popular Mark My Words series, where authors from around the world come to talk about how current issues are colliding with their work. Follow The Twain House on Facebook and sign up for the newsletter at marktwainhouse.org. The Mouth Off is hosted and produced by me, Kyone Wolf, with help from Jennifer LaRue. Learn about my other shows at kionewolf.com, on Twitter and Instagram at kionewolf, on Facebook at kionewolf productions, and you can be a part of fueling all of this at patreon.com slash kionewolf. Imagine the story you'll tell about being a sponsor for the Mouth Off podcast. For rates, email mouthoffhartford at gmail.com. All right, till next time, whatever happens, make it a good story. Bye.